Hi, thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor here at Community Brookside, and we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Okay. Good morning again, everyone. You know, that was pretty lively for a hot July morning, so congratulations, finally, getting some energy. Um, So this morning, I'm going to start off with telling you a story, and it's a little bit long, so don't fall asleep, or I will call you by name, so just be ready for this, all right? Bill was driving home one evening on a two-lane country road. Work in his small Midwestern community was almost as slow as his beat-up Pontiac, but he never quit looking. Ever since the factory closed, he'd been unemployment, or he'd been on unemployment, and with winter raging on, the chill had finally hit home. It was a lonely road. Not very many people had a reason to be on it unless they were leaving. Most of his friends had already left. They had families to feed and dreams to fulfill, but he stayed behind in that small Midwestern town. After all, this is where he buried his mother and his father. He was born here and he knew the countryside. He could go down this road blind and tell you you what pothole was on each side. And with his headlights not working very well, that kind of came in handy. It was starting to get dark and the light snow flurries were coming down. He'd better get a move on You know, he almost didn't see the old lady stranded on the side of the road, but even in the dim light of day, he could see that she needed help. So he pulled off in front of her, right in front of her Mercedes, and he got out of his old beat-up Pontiac, still sputtering when he approached her. And he did that with a smile on his face. She was worried. No one had stopped for help to help her in the last hour or so. Was he going to hurt her? He didn't really look safe. He looked kind of poor and hungry. He could see that she was frightened, standing out there in the cold, so he knew how she felt. It was that chill that only fear can put in you. He said, I'm here to help you, ma'am. Why don't you wait in your car where it's warm? By the way, my name is Bill. Well, all she had was a flat tire, but for an old lady, that was bad enough. Bill crawled underneath the car, looking for a place to put the jack, skinning his knuckles a time or two, but soon he was able to change the tire. But he was dirty, and his hands began to hurt in the cold. As he was tightening up the last lug nuts, she rolled down her window and began to talk to him. She told him that she was from St. Louis and was only just passing through. She couldn't thank him enough for coming to her rescue. Bill just smiled and closed her trunk. She asked him how much that she owed him. Any amount would have been all right with her. It was so cold. She didn't have anything that she could do on her own there. She relied totally on him. She'd imagined all the awful things that could have happened if he had not stopped. Bill never even thought twice about the money. This was not a job to him. This was helping somebody in need. And God knows there were plenty who had given him a hand in the past. He had lived his whole life that way, and it never occurred to him to act any other way. He told her that if she really wanted to help pay him back, the next time that she saw someone who needed help, she could give that person the assistance that they needed. And Bill added, when you do that, remember me. He waited until she started her car and she drove off. It had been a cold and depressing day, but he felt good as he headed for home, disappearing off into the twilight. A few miles down the road, the lady saw a small cafe. She went in to grab a bite to eat and to take the chill off before she made her last leg of her trip back to St. Louis. It was a dingy looking restaurant. I think we've all been in those. 
Outside were two old gas pumps. The whole scene was kind of unfamiliar to her. The cash register was like the telephone of an out-of-work actor. It didn't ring very much. Her waitress came over, brought a clean towel to wipe her wet hair. She had a sweet smile, one that even being on her feet for the whole day couldn't even erase. The lady noticed that the waitress was nearly eight months pregnant, but she never let the strain and aches of her belly change her attitude. The old lady wondered how someone who had so little could be so giving to a stranger. And then she remembered Bill. After the lady had finished her meal and the waitress went to go get her change from that $100 bill she left on the table, the lady slipped right out the door. She was gone by the time the waitress came back. And she wondered where the lady could be, and then she noticed something written on the napkin on her table. There were tears in her eyes when she read what the lady had written and said, you don't owe me a thing. I've been there too. Someone wants to help me out the way I'm helping you. If you really want to pay me back, here's what you do. Don't let the chain of love end with you. Well, there were tables to clear and sugar bowls to fill and people to serve, but the waitress made it home that night and she made it home through another day. That night when she got home from work and she climbed into bed, she was thinking about the money and, and what the lady had written. How could she have known so much that she and her husband needed the change from that $100 bill. With the baby due next month, it was going to be hard. She knew how worried her husband was. And as he lay there sleeping next to her, she gave him a soft kiss and whispered in a soft, low voice, everything's gonna be all right. I love you, Bill. Our call is to do good, right? If we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he's, he's the one that we're supposed to pattern our life after, we're always called to do good. We're expected to do unto others as we would have them do to us, right? The golden rule. We know this, right? Just nods. Nods are good. But oftentimes in the world today, it almost seems like the, the, the new golden rule is to do worse to others, to teach them a lesson for what they've done to you, right? I don't know if you guys have ever like fallen off into the YouTube rabbit trail. Anybody else do that? Yes. Or, or sometimes the Facebook video trail, right? So you're starting to watch this video and all of a sudden the next one pops up and you're like, oh, look at road rage accidents in America. Awesome. And so you just kind of follow along and you, and you, as you're seeing like today's news and the things that grab headlines, there's none of it's good, right? I get sucked into that stuff all the time. And I know it's not healthy for us to see these patterns of human behavior that are just so evil and so mean and so sometimes self-centered and self-absorbed. But that's the world we live in and that's not the world we're called to partake in. We're called to do good. And that's not contingent on anything else. We're not called to do good for those who do good to us. If we do that, we're just returning a favor. But God calls us to do good no matter what in every single situation. I want to read a scripture to you. It comes from the book of Matthew. It's the first gospel in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. If you have a Bible, just go ahead and pull it out. Uh, you can follow along with me, Matthew 5, 13. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen. Uh, so I'm going to read this to us together. And this actually is coming from the message version because I really like the way it puts this together. Here's what it says in Matthew 5, 13. Let me tell you why you're here. And this is Jesus speaking, by the way. You're here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. 
Here's another way to put it. You are here to be a light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Don't suppose for a minute that I have come to demolish the scriptures, either God's law or the prophets. I'm not here to demolish, but to complete. I'm going to put it all together, put it all together in a vast panorama. God's law is more real and lasting than the stars in the sky and the ground at your feet. Long after stars burn out and earth wears out, God's law will be alive and working. Trivialize even the smallest item in God's law and you will only have trivialized yourself. But take it seriously. Show the way for others and you will find honor in the kingdom. Unless you do far better than the Pharisees in the matters of right living, you won't know the first thing about entering the kingdom. There's so much in that scripture that God calls us to. But I'm going to shift real quick. How many of you like brisket? If you're not raising your hand, shame on you right now. Brisket is by far the best cut of terrible meat, right? So brisket, I don't know if you know how brisket started, but brisket was given out to workers as kind of this low quality meat, usually pretty tough. And then somebody figured out that if you leave it on fire long enough, it tenderizes and becomes incredible. So I am relatively new to barbecuing and smoking meat. Uh, and the, let me just tell you, I had to experiment quite a bit with brisket. The first time I ever tried to throw a brisket on the fire, I did everything that I watched the YouTube videos that Rabbit Drill we were talking about earlier. I watched all the YouTube videos about it, seasoning everything perfectly, mixing it all up. Like I had my own special blend of Matt Morgan spices to put on my meat. And so I put pepper, right? And some red pepper and some garlic powder. I put some uh, oregano in there, a little bit of Italian seasoning. I mixed it all up and then I shook it all over my meat. I packed it all in there nice and tight and threw it out on the brisket or out on the, on the smoker for about eight hours. Then I wrapped it in, in aluminum foil to give it that nice kind of juicy, steamy, sweltering, like melt in your mouth kind of texture. And after about 13 hours, I pulled that brisket off and it smelled incredible. It was like nothing I had ever made in my whole life. I was so excited. My first brisket, it was pull apart juicy, right? It was perfect. And then I took the first bite. And I realized in all the spices that I put on my brisket, not one ounce of salt was in it. And if you've ever had meat with just a bunch of other things on it and no salt, it was bitter. It wasn't good at all. The texture was great, but it was terrible tasting. Without salt, I had ruined something that was incredible. I ended up throwing away about seven pounds of brisket and it was heartbreaking for me. Salt is important, right? And in the scripture we just read, God calls us to be the salt of the world, bringing out the God flavors of what's going on around us. You guys ever remember the phrase, like being salty, right? A few years ago, it became really super popular. Being salty. What does that mean to you when someone's being salty? Huh? What? Being sassy. Being sassy. 
Any other thoughts on that? What does it mean to be salty? What? what? Maybe a little resentful. Oh, a little resentful? That's good. Yeah. I like sassy. I think that's, that's really good. Sassy. Um, anybody else have any thoughts? Really, really sweating because, okay, sweating out the salt. Yeah, okay. Okay, I think your kids are, that's cute. I think they pulled one over. Yeah, maybe they did. But to, to be salty, like that was, that was the phrase. I, so I was a youth pastor for like 48 years and uh, all the students in my youth group occasionally would throw that phrase out there. Oh, Matt, you're being salty. And I'm like, yeah, I don't even know what that means. But being salty, like, oh, she's salty. Oh, he's salty. Salty is the act of being upset angry or bitter as a result of being made fun of or embarrassed. And the example that I have here, and I don't know where I got this from. I, I feel like maybe it's the Urban Dictionary. Bethy got salt, Bethany got salty after Radonna stole her man. I don't... Maybe, maybe I made that one up. I don't know that I pulled that from anything. I don't... Huh. So the meaning of the word salty, word salty, was changed a couple years ago to mean something that is negative. Where in the past of human history, salty was a really good thing. Do you know the origin, origin, origin of like he's worth his salt? You know that. So, do what? From soldiers, right? So back in the Roman Empire days, they actually didn't pay their soldiers with cash money; they paid them in salt. Salary, yes. You're too good. So they were, they were call, it was called a salary because they were being paid in salt rather than in money because a lot of times they had access to meat, they had access to vegetables and things like that. A lot of them grew that in their own homes, but the salt actually preserved and maintained the freshness of like dried meat. Without salt, again, there was no refrigerators in the Roman Empire days. Without salt, meat spoiled and would go rancid and you would have nothing. So salt was something that preserved and maintained quality. In this scripture, when we're talking about Jesus calling us to be the salt, Jesus looks at people who are around him and says, as he preaches to the crowds, that they, and in turn we, are salt. And if we lose our saltiness, our ability to preserve the kingdom of God, our, our ability to, to be the seasoning that brings out the God flavors in the world, then we're not worth really anything. And we'll end up, Scripture says, thrown in the garbage, or another version is trampled underfoot. We have to be salty people. We have to be worth our weight in salt, I guess. You know, we've heard the weight in gold, but I think we have to maintain that our worthiness. And Christ is calling us to be the salt of this earth. Jesus also then later goes on to say that we're to be the light of the world, bringing out the God colors. What do you think Jesus means by that? What does light do? Hang on. Let's say it together. It gets rid of darkness. What else? It reflects. Absolutely. What else does light do? Yes, light. Light does enlighten, yes. Guys, it, it shows us the path. Light takes things out of darkness, right? In light, things can't be easily hidden. And God calls us to be the light of the world. We have to reach into the darkness and bring about change. Change. 
We have to reach into the darkness and expose those things that are unjust. We have to bring those things to light, and then we have to work towards change. Light brings hope, doesn't it? Have you ever been in a cave? How many of you have been spelunking in your lives? Right? Okay, all of us. We're cave explorers. That's what we do. If you've ever been inside of a cave, now, my wife and I went to Ireland, and we went inside this crazy long cave with this tour of people who spoke in Irish accents, and that was terrible, by the way. But we go into this cave, and at one point in this cave, we are deeper than I've ever been in a cave. And then they turn out all the lights. Guys, there is nothing like being in the bowels of the earth when they turn off the light. It's a darkness like you've never experienced, ever. Even at nighttime now, guys, we have stars, we have planets, we have city lights that light everything up. There is no place on this earth that you can go that would be darker than the depths of a cave. And there was that moment where you're kind of like, oh my gosh, I don't know, is, is my hand here? What, what am I standing on? Where am I? It's just it's this kind of panic that you have. And then eventually they flip the lights back on and then everything is okay. Light brings hope. Light allows us to see things that are hidden. It allows us to look into the deepest parts of some of the world's most hidden places. Light reveals things that on their own might not be visible. In the scripture, Jesus tells us to be light bearers. He calls us not to just see light. He calls us to be light. John chapter 8, verse 12 says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We are called by Christ himself to point to Christ If we truly live like Jesus, others will know him through us. We can be light bearers. You may have heard the song, We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We, and if you know it, sing it. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, and we pray that all unity, you guys are good, be restored, and they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. That song does not say, and they'll know we are Christians by the fish on the back of our car, right? They will not know us, by how good a game we talk about our faith, they will know us by our love, how we treat one another in this room and especially how we treat one another outside of it. People will only know Jesus in us by the way we love one another. Our lives reveal a lot about our faith. The way we live, the way we treat other people reveals a lot about the Jesus we say we believe in. And oftentimes, I don't know that even my own life represents the Jesus that I say I love. And if you're anything at all like me, there are moments where we all feel like we've let Jesus down. I don't know about you guys, but in about every situation I'm ever in, my conversation always kind of revolves back to church. 
And that happens a lot for me because I kind of work at a church. My whole life kind of revolves around a church. I'm here 40 hours a week at least in my office working on church things, dealing with church situations. And so oftentimes when I'm speaking to people and they ask me what I do, I'm a pastor and I start having these conversations. But it shouldn't be about the conversations I'm having. It should be about the life I'm living even outside of those conversations. I don't know how often you speak about your faith, but people are reading a lot about your faith by how you act. Guys, the church right now is suffering because the people like us that call themselves Christians look nothing like Jesus. And that's got to stop. And that's got to start with us. We've got to be the light in the world. We've got to bring about the change that Jesus Christ is making in our own lives to others. And it's not going to be easy. It's hard being a light bearer. It's hard being the salt of the earth that brings about the God flavors. But that's what we're called to do. I met a young woman a few years ago at a big uh, ballet event. Tulsa Ballet is incredible, and if you've ever been, they have a lot of really cool events throughout the year to support uh, the great work that they do. They're world-class. And at one of these fundraisers they had, I met a young woman uh, and started revolving my conversation around church, as I normally do. And she said, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm, I'm not a Christian, but I'm religious. I believe in God, but I don't want to call myself a Christian because I don't like the identity of Christians today. And that hurt my heart. Because what I've identified myself as, my whole life I've dedicated to being a Christian and to pointing others to Jesus. And she says, I, I want to have nothing to do with that because it doesn't look like the Jesus the Christians say that they want to be like. We cannot rely on others to be Jesus to the world and live our lives like our faith doesn't matter. We have to live out our faith every single day. Otherwise, we are of no use to Jesus and fit to be thrown away, just like a salt that loses its saltiness. None of us are perfect, and I think Jesus knows that, but we must continue to try to look like Jesus all the time. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31 says this, Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and best. Ouch. Not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chose the nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies? That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking and right living, a clean slate and a fresh start, comes from God by the way of Jesus Christ. We're not called to be salt and light for our own good. We're called to be salt and light for the good of others. If your faith makes a difference in your life, your faith should also make a difference in the life of somebody else. Folks, church does nobody any good if it stays in this building. Church does nobody any good if church is only one hour a week. Our lives should be church. Our homes should be church. Our places of business should be church. Uh, be careful in that, though. God wants us to be the light of the world, 
and the salt that brings out the God flavorings. And I think that we can do it, church. I think that we can be those people, but sometimes it's going to be as a result of some self-sacrifice. This morning, I'm going to challenge all of us, all of us, myself included. Let your life look like the life of Jesus. And there's a lot in that. So this week, find a way to be light to somebody. Find a way to be the spice in the world that causes goodness. Find a way to make a difference in the lives of people right around you. That's what Jesus did, and that's what Jesus wants us to do. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you so much for the gift of Jesus Christ as an example of what life could truly look like. God, this morning we recognize that sometimes we fail, sometimes our saltiness is lost, sometimes our light becomes darkness. But you are a God that loves us and forgives us even in those moments. Gracious God, give us strength and courage to be followers of Jesus, not just when it's easy, not just when it's convenient, God, but when it's hard. Help us to speak truth when the truth is hard to see. Help us to be life for those who sometimes feel like giving up. God, just like light in the depths of a cave, help us to be hope for the world. Gracious Lord Jesus, use us, strengthen us, embolden us to speak your truth. God, help us follow you closely. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you had a great time listening to today's sermon. If you need anything at all, please feel free to reach out to us at communitybrookside.com or leave us a message on our Facebook page. We hope you have a great week. God bless.